Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday... It's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com backslash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com backslash RG. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. Fuel up for game day and any day, really, at Sonic. For a limited time, you can get the new $1.99 Sonic Crispy Tender Wraps. And trust me, you don't want to miss out. A crispy chicken tender and bold flavors like hickory barbecue and cheesy Baja crisp lettuce, and melty cheese that make the perfect bite. So go get yourself some TLC, some tender love and chicken, and buy a $1.99 Sonic Crispy Chicken Tender Wrap today. Tax not included. Limited time only at participated Sonic drive-ins. What's poppin'? Real ones, Logan Murdoch here, Roger Bill there. Roger, 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 Roger. <laughs> so full disclosure, recording this on, at uh, one nineteen Pacific time on the West Coast. Uh, we're, we usually record these pods very early in the morning, as I'm sure every one of our listeners can tell by my performance in the morning. So then Roger says, hey, I got to go do something. And let's let's push the let's push the pot back. And I'm thanking my lucky stars that he did that because we now can talk about a trade that is rocking the NBA world. Jordan Poole sent to the Washington Wizards for Chris Paul. Wait, let me revamp that. Jordan Poole pressed some picks to Washington for Chris Paul. Raja, I have a lot of thoughts. You have been driving on, on the turnpike or wherever you've been driving in Florida for the last 45 <laughs> minutes thinking about right. this. What are your immediate thoughts on this trade? Well, my immediate thoughts, I had a lot going on, so I didn't have a time to digest it until I really got in the car. And it's kind of, I'm formulating an opinion, you know, kind of as we speak. My son, my middle son, Ty, called me like 20 minutes out from here and told me what happened. Right? It just dropped. He was like, Chris Ball just got... Um, and, imme- and my immediate reaction was like, What? Like why? What? What are we talking about? What? Why would? Why would Golden State need Chris Paul? But uh, but but as I'm thinking about it more, as I'm thinking about it more, um, I do see other areas that I would hope that they could could um, solidify. But 
if you're if you're talking about an aging and just bear with me, right? Because I really am just off the top right here. If you're talking about, you know, Steph Curry and trying to maybe lessen the workload on him as a as a you know ball handler, play creator, and and all that that entails on a nightly basis. If you're trying to lessen the load on him, um, you're trying to find someone else who can orchestrate and kind of create plays in a league where play creation is at a premium. I, I kind of get it. I, I, I so I can make a case either way. Ultimately. Um, I didn't think that was a move that they need to make. I didn't think of the move of the moves that could be made. Like I didn't know that that was the most pressing thing to get a Chris Paul type of player. But I guess what I'm saying to you is I could see the rationale behind. All right, we still got you know we still got Wiggins on the wing. You know you have Clay who's basically a spot up guy at this point. You you have Draymond who's a facilitator kind of playmaker. You bring in Chris Paul who plays great in pick and roll and can distribute and orchestrate. It takes some some of the, the, the pressure off of Steph to have to do that on a nightly basis um, and frees him up to just kind of be more off the ball. Uh, I, I, understand, I understand what they were trying to do there. I, I thought there were other things that, more press, that were more pressing for them, though. So I think all of the things you said are correct in terms of, in theory, mm-hmm. I can make a case of why they would make a, want to make a trade for someone like Chris Paul, mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I, I watch the Warriors probably more than any other team I watch on a nightly basis, obviously, right? Being Iron to Bay. And the thing that they were missing consistently was a backup ball handler who can, who can play. The biggest thing is they could play in the non-Steph minutes, right? And for as great a scorer as Jordan Poole was, he did struggle being a point guard with the second unit. Right. Um, in a lot of ways, in, in some ways, they would have to, uh, Steve Kerr would have to put Draymond into the second unit just to have a primary ball handler to do that. So, for those reasons, I see why you would want a point guard to be able to do that and, like, you know, just offset Steph. And also, Chris Paul on paper, Hall of Famer, right? Has all the championship experiences and all of these things, right? But <laughs> <laughs> I don't <laughs> see. I, my first thing is that I would love to hear you talk about this as the basketball mind here, but from my vantage point, I don't think Chris Paul is a fit because one, he's 38 years old. Two, he is a pick and roll point guard on an offense that is a motion-based offense where it, it, it prioritizes movement on a consistent yep. basis. Yep. Also, we know this, Chris Paul in every situation that he's ever been in, has to be an alpha. And in a locker room that is not his, right? He's going to have to, he's going to have, I, that's one thing I'm curious about, right? Because I'm not going to put any, I'm not going to put anything out that he can't do it. I'm not going to say that, but I'm just saying history suggests that as an alpha, he has to, the, the orbit has to be around Chris Paul. Now, on this team, this is never going to be Chris Paul's team. This is this is Steph Curry's team and and Clay Thompson's team and Draymond Green's team and Chris Paul is coming into that. I'm very curious that adjustment for all parties involved of having a guy like that because you know the alphaness doesn't turn off. It just doesn't it, it doesn't do that. And and I did I mention the fact that he's 38 years old? Yeah, Raja. You did, and he's injured, and he's and often also, injured, and he's often injured. I saw him in last year's postseason live, and he was not very good. 
there's a reason why Kevin Durant and Devin Booker had to carry much of the offense because there was no other offense to be had from Chris Paul. So for all those reasons, I think about it in theory of like, yeah, I get why the the Warriors would want a, a, another point guard to just offset the non-Steph minutes because Jordan Poole, for as great as he is as a scorer, just didn't fully do that. But I just don't think that this was the trade to do it, Rob. Yeah, well, that, yeah, I mean, 100%, right? Like, that's not what you did. You didn't go out and get a backup point guard that can offset the Steph minutes. Like, you you went in and got, and got in the guy that you just described. And so, I mean, yeah, 38. What were we saying about the Warriors at times in the Sacramento series when Sac kind of had their fangs in the Warriors? Like, what were we saying about they them? They looked too what, old. They looked old. Like, old as fuck. Malik Monk was like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> Darren Fox was, oh, excuse me. Ah. It took a 50-point fucking road. One of the greatest performances of all time from Steph Curry for them to get out of that first round series because they were too old. Right. They looked old. And then, and then, and then, <laughs> my goodness. Not, not even in that series, right? But we've talked at lengths about Golden State the 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 championship window and what needs to be done to extend that window keep it open for Steph and some of those guys every conversation revolving around that specific topic includes getting younger players that you develop and that can come in here and continue to kind of take the baton from these guys as 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 the tread wears thin on the tire so like Again, I didn't, I didn't think it was necessarily a trade, but I understand there's a part of me that sees what you're trying to do there. Um, but let's just touch on the basketball part and, and the human being part. Um, you, you are correct in that, at least through this, you know, through, through so far in Chris's career, he's been on teams where the ball is in his hands. Um, relatively speaking, there isn't a ton of movement. And he is in some sort of pick and roll action, and then he becomes the the creator for whatever the 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 the, the end of the play is going to be. There will be opportunity to do that, but obviously he is going to have to change kind of his philosophy in terms of how he plays the point. He's going to have to play with more pace. He's going to have to be willing to get off of that ball. He's going to have to to move in a way that teams haven't really asked him to move off of the ball. And you know he's. You know how much I love Russ, and I, I don't. I don't know that they're not the same human being. They're not the same player. But the point is, you're asking an, you know, an old an old dog to learn new tricks. Sometimes that's not as easy as you think. Um, and yeah. and I would say that that part of it, the on the court, would be easier than asking that same old dog who's used to going into locker rooms and being the voice to go into a locker room and while I'm sure he'll still have a voice, they're not going to ask Chris Paul to come there and, and not, you know, not be a part of culture driving and all of that. But you've got strong personalities in Draymond, you know, and, and stuff like that. So to ask him to turn that off is probably even harder than asking him to get off the ball and move without it. Yeah, 1,000%. And I think that just from a, a standpoint of, I think we just saw this in spurts with Miami, right? And Miami's a little bit bit younger, but I think the the best role that Chris Paul can play is the Kyle Lowry role down the you know down the stretch of the season, and they need him for the postseason. And I mean, they're, they're, you I'm, I'm making arguments for 
uh, a deal that I don't agree with. So bear bear with me. I'm pulling yeah. the Raja devil's advocate right here. <laughs> but like, on one hand, I do get it because you want to have, we all know that the playoffs are a different beast. And if you don't have guys you think you can depend on, you need to get a guy that is dependable in the postseason, right? And a lot of that has to do with veteran guys. You get a lot of guys, but usually you get those guys for the cheap, Roger. Like if you needed one of those guys, you go to the buyout market, you can get a guy on a vet minimum that's winning to win a title. Chris Paul has a gargantuous salary next year. And I don't want, I mean, he earned that. He got a pro, and I'm not pocket watching, but he, this goes against every single thing that the Warriors have said that they've wanted to do over the last few years, Raja. And what is mm-hmm. that? It's the two-track plan where we're going to phase these guys out and uh, we're going to fa- we're going to try to get the championship core their rings while also bringing in a new generation of players, right? That's on the one hand. On the second hand, well, the biggest thing that they've been trying to do is get younger. And then they just pivoted and said, oh, we're just going to be older off the street. Like, man, I saw them last year get almost run off of the floor a lot of times, not because they weren't skilled, but because like, like for instance, I think about the Sacramento series where the Warriors were, they would get big leads and they would, they would lose them because they're the older guys sometimes just couldn't keep up, man. They just couldn't right. keep up with the a Malik Monk or as in, a, in an era where they needed to get younger, they did not do that. And I think with this with this Chris Paul deal, man, it's just going to be interesting just how, uh, what this says about the Warriors going forward. Because there's one thing, Roger. They're have, they have a new front office person. They have a new g- general manager in Mike Dunleavy, who yep. was an assistant general manager under Bob Myers. And a lot, there's been a lot of talk, you know, I've been, you know, there were a lot of talk early on after Bob Myers stepped down that, uh, that Kirk Lacob would be in charge, right? Um, that, that's Joe Lacob's son. He would be, yep. he, I think a lot of the stuff that I heard about, um, was that he might be, uh, VP of, uh, basketball operations. We don't know who is going to be driving this, this front office going forward. We don't know that yet. I, I, I we don't. Now, we know titles that are in place, but we right. don't know going forward who is going to have the biggest voice in that, in that front office. So it's going to be interesting how these types of play out, whose voice wins out now that Bob Myers is, is not in the picture. Because I'll tell you what, man, Bob Myers' voice is, was so big into that organization that he's almost like a cult-like figure in there. And now it's like once, once he's out of the picture, everybody's trying to get position. And that's going to manifest in trades like this. That's going to manifest in signings that are that are like well, what? Let me interject because there's not an exact well, let, one. Let me interject. I'm sorry. Let me allow me to do this for anyone that <laughs> that may be listening in the Golden State. Like um, whoever you listen to, whatever voice was listened to on this particular trade, <laughs> listen to the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> No, I re- hey, listen, I reserve the right as we saying, always though, do. Right? No, yeah, facts. Exactly. Yeah, facts. Listen to the other so, one. Listen to him next time. <laughs> it's just, I'm just going to be curious to see that, right? Because this trade, just every time, even when we try to rationalize it, it's like, but this, but that. Um, so we talked about the uh, we talked about the Chris Paul version, and we'll probably get back to that as the pod goes on. We're only 14 minutes in, but I do want to talk about the Jordan Poole part yeah. of this. And I feel for the guy because... He got traded for no other fact than he got punched in the face. There's oh. no other, there's like, right? Like, there's no other, there's no other, 
the way to slice it. It is what it is. He get what happens in the preseason happens. It brings a divide around the team, and then the the, the team who is going through a front office, well, how would you call it, transition, doubles down on the old big three, and then trades the the only promising one of the only promising young pieces that they had. And it's interesting because I want to read you this quote, Roger, because this yeah. is how tough the NBA is. I talked to Jordan like a day after uh, day after the season mm-hmm. ended, and uh, for a piece that I did um, called "The Two Timeline Failed in Golden State." I'm gonna read the quote that he said. He says, "I don't know why I wouldn't be back. It wasn't a bad year. I mean, I had career highs in two categories. I was able to make history with Clay and Steph. I had my first game winner." It was a lot of things that happened this season. It wasn't a bad season. Yes, I'm in the fabric. Yes, I belong here in this organization, bridging the gap. And I'm a young guy who was drafted here. We won a championship last year, and we have another chance to do it again. And I don't know why anybody else would feel otherwise. I don't think anybody else is thinking that. That is very tough. That's heartbreaking. Jordan, like, he just bought a crib out here. He was... Despite all the stuff was invested, oh, listen <laughs> into the fabric. And I wasn't. I wasn't. Feel it, right? I wasn't Jordan Poole by any stretch of the imagination. But I know exactly how that feels, <laughs> right? Just got a just got a crib out here. Is like yeah. just about to start his extension. Also, another thing which is not good business when it goes the other day in that same press conference, Mike Dunleavy was asked about Jordan Poole and said. Hopefully, he's here for four more years until the end of his contract. A few days later, he trades the guy, mm. right? Not good business. Mm. Very, 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 not, mm. not a great thing to be saying, right? And so all of that happening, Jordan Poole is like this avatar for what went wrong with the Warriors when in actuality, he's better than the return that you just got for this, right? You just sent two picks out there with him. Yeah. Two picks out with him to Washington for this. I just, it just doesn't make any sense, Rock. Yeah, that's a tough one, man. We're going we're gonna to go a young 20-point-per-game score and two picks for a 38-year-old um, PG who doesn't play your style and is rarely healthy. Like, I, And I love Chris Paul, but like... We love Chris Paul, Hall oh, of Famer. It just, oh man, that's a tough one, man. And I don't mean to, because again, I'm telling you, I, 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 while I sit here and, and give you my, my gut, I'm also going to do what I do and, and tell you I could kind of see what they were trying to do, but, but uh-uh, mm-mm. And you're, and you're right. Like, I hate to boil it down to, hey man, he got punched in the face, but you know, between that and just not being himself in the playoffs, like, you know, he just didn't have a great playoffs. And you know, that, that, that's a tough one, but 20, you know why, look, 20 points a game, you know how hard it is to score 20 like points a game consistently in the NBA. Like when you, you, you know, you're not even, you're not the first option, like, and you're, and you're, and you're able to score and create the way he does. That's a skill. I feel bad for him because I feel like he's the type of player at the point in a career where the consistency and the stability of Golden State and the winning what was was for whatever reason this might not be fair to him but for whatever reason i feel like it was specifically important for someone like him and if you take him to dysfunction and to rebuild mode until we won't win a lot of games now i feel like it's a pivotal moment in the in his career if that makes sense like 
this, this, you know, like you were on track to, to, to learn how to be a really good player on a championship level team. And maybe at some point, if you continue to develop, have the mantle passed to you in that regard. And now you're going into like the abyss where shit can get really squirrely on bad teams, even for good players that can score the ball. Like you can fuck around and, and be looking up in three years. Like what the fuck happened? It's well, it's crazy. Cause it's like, it's, People don't talk about this side of the NBA. Like we're going, and this is this is. I should preface it by saying this is like part of Washington. If you look at it from the other side, this is part of Washington. Um, Washington rebuilding, right? And they pro- they they pretty they're doing the right thing. They should rebuild in the way that they do. But the mm-hmm. other side of they have a new general manager and they have a new front office, and, uh, and they 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 are trying to build their own their own situation and finally get. Uh, DC back on track from a basketball sense, but as a consequence of that, there's going to be they might be the worst team in the league next year. You know, <laughs> I'm serious. They they, they they might be the worst team in the league yeah. next year. And yeah. for a guy that is just known to be compete for titles, and then he's going to go into this situation. Well, yeah, he's going to score, he's going to get his buckets, but he's going to be irrelevant. The team's going to be irrelevant, and he's going to be the face of that, a face of a franchise that is irrelevant now. And that is demoralizing. It's interesting because, um, you know, Jordan, uh, you know, one of the critiques of him, I guess, is at least from players in the locker room in Golden State, was he was a guy, and this is a critique for him, but also a critique for a lot of the guys that were in that locker room, is that these dudes don't know how good they have it because they are not in the real NBA. That was a common refrain from um, – from just warrior vets to the youngins. They don't know about the real NBA. Mm-hmm. And now JP is going to go to the real NBA, which is, you know, you're fighting for scraps. You're going to, you know, like the, the Wizards is the worst team in the league are probably going to just go through different iterations. There's going to be just some controversy trying. It's just hard. You know, it's hard to build a champion. And Absolutely. he's going to be that. Now, it's, now, I'm curious to see how he responds to that part of it where it's – it's going to be tough. It's going to be a lot of blowouts. You're, you're, you're just, you haven't lost this much in your life. Look, th- yes, that, that is a very, <clears throat> it's a very hard thing to gauge and to judge as to whether or not someone um, can function in that. And it becomes, I think, much harder when you come into a fully functional organization that wins a lot, and that's what you calibrate to and that's what you are used to and that's how you are accustomed to things operating and then you get dropped into something that isn't all of those things and you don't know how to survive in that like you've never swum in those waters so so you know i i I think what 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 number one by nature of not having some of those guys you're going to have to take on more of a leadership role right and so you know, if you can dig into why this is good for me, like what are some positives about why I'm going, why, like being here, what type of things can I take away from this? If this doesn't wind up being the, the end, you know, a, a, a destination in my career, like if you can dig into those things and kind of categorically go down them and really trying to try to try to maximize, you know, in those spaces, I think it could be okay. But if you're just going there like, yo, hey, man, happy to be in Washington. Let's hoop. 
And that shit hits you fast. Like, oh, it doesn't matter how I hoop we're going to lose. Oh, like they're at my throat all the time because we're losing, even though I'm scoring. Oh, like this isn't as buttoned up. Like when I want to go talk to to X, Y, and Z, like the they don't operate like that here. Oh, shit. The family room doesn't run like it used to. Like when all of those dominoes start falling, if you're not like locked in on, hey, man, I'm here to work on being a leader. I'm here to work on, you know, uh, if, if you are not dialed into what, what you can take away from that, I'm telling you right now, I've been, I played on, on really good teams to start my career and then was dropped into some situations where, and, and luckily for me, like Utah fell into this, Utah fell into this, right? Like I played for the Sixers, first experience, really quickly, you're in the finals. Um, next year, playoff team with the Sixers, I'll be not as good. Then Mavericks, Western Conference Finals, and then I go to the Jazz, and the Jazz are, they had just, Stock had just retired, and Carl Malone had just, um, you know, left to go to, to the Lakers. Now, the difference is the Jazz were run really well at the time. Um, um, you know, Jerry, Jerry Sloan was still there. Larry Miller was still alive. Um, you know, they had a veteran coaching staff, and I think they had guys, even though we were all young and we weren't winning as much. Right. So this was the difference. We weren't winning as much as I was used to winning, but we all were professional and we all had something that we were playing for and we understood what we were playing for. And we didn't make the playoffs, but we were able to kind of make the most of that, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I was in, you know, other situations where like, okay, when I was in Golden State the last time, like, yeah, like when I was in Golden State and Steph had just gotten drafted, that was a shit show. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? And I, I had come from Phoenix and spent half a year in, in Charlotte where it was not as buttoned up as Phoenix and we weren't yeah. winning. And then I got to Golden State where, you know, it was a bunch of babies and Monte Ellis and, and you know, it was just early on in the process. And Don Nelson who'd be like, yo, man, I'm about to go to Lake Merritt. Y'all have y'all run your own practice. <laughs> Straight up. Nelly, Nelly would be smoking a cigar like in his truck on the roof of the Marriott seven seconds before practice started. And I love Nelly. But, but no, when, when, when you're accustomed to winning and those things kind of, when you get places and, 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 and it's not what you're ex- you, you expect and it's not what you're accustomed to and you don't have yourself buttoned up in a way that allows you to navigate that, it could be really hard to, 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 to you know, continue to be a good pro in those environments is the best way to put it. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. Fuel up for game day and any day, really, at Sonic for a limited time. You can get the new $1.99 Sonic Crispy Tender Wraps. And trust me, you don't want to miss out. A crispy chicken tender and bold flavors like hickory barbecue and cheesy Baja. Crisp lettuce and melty cheese that make the perfect bite. So go get yourself some TLC, some tender love and chicken. And buy a $1.99 Sonic Crispy Chicken Tender Wrap today. Tax not included. Limited time only at participated Sonic drive-ins. This episode is brought to you by Honda. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. What about what do you think about the the Washington Wizards side of it, right? I'm not even just talking about this this trade in a nutshell, this current one, because they have been in the news. I just said like before we're before the Jordan Poole news dropped, we were going to talk about the Christos Porzingis news, right? And yep. what Washington is trying to do, they just got rid of um, Christops. 
um, just for a, a shitload of picks. Um, they're starting over. Um, but what did you think of that overall trade of getting Kristaps to Boston and then getting uh, Barkus Smart to to Memphis, which I think is a really sneaky good deal. I think that's a really good – I think that was really, really savvy by Memphis to come in at the 11th hour and getting him. Um, but what do you think about all those trades for all the people that are involved in those trades? Okay. Well, let's start with the Memphis side. What have we said Memphis needs for a long time now? Well, what were one a of the things? Respected vet who yeah. could play. Yeah. With, with, with a little bit of shit about him that, mm-hmm. that would allow him to stand up in the face of some of that bullshit that's happening with those younger players and, and hold them accountable. And so I think Marcus Smart is a great, a great addition to that. Um, even, even, if, even if it wasn't on the court, which I believe it would be a good fit there too, but just in terms of solid locker room, professional, no bullshit, had, had a level of success in the league, has played in big games, understands what it's about, boom, I think that's really good for them. Um, and this is just in a vacuum, right? Because I'm not, I'm not diving into how many picks people had to give up and all of that type of shit. I'm talking about purely. The Wizards, had, the Wizards that's where you're at. As a new front office, as a new, as a new fresh look, like you know, you're you're trying to get, you know, a young piece in Jordan Poole that can really go and score the ball. Trying to get picks, you're trying to get young talent, and so I I, I have no beef with that. I don't know where they're going to go. Like the next move in this, or the next two moves, will give me a little bit better idea of like what they're capable of, if that makes sense, and what their vision is. But but right now, I see what you're doing. Like yo, you're saying we're. This is a frame off. Like we're we're taking this down to the studs and we're going to rebuild it. I'm okay with that. For Boston, it's 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 kind of interesting. My dad asked me this morning on our way down to to, to football camp, like, what does Chris Stapps mean for Boston? And I was like, well, I mean, you know, I don't I don't know. And then I started thinking about. It. I was like, well, that's another, you know, it's another shot kind of maker. Like he's injured a lot, but. They're, they're really long, Logan. Like when I think about Boston, I think about their length, right? Like Jalen and Jason Tatum and, and you know, uh, they're bigs and they were long defensively. And I don't, I don't, he's not like a great defender or anything, but he's just, he fits the mold of long, rangy and can score the ball. And so I think it's going to be okay. I think Chris Tapp fits there. I think he fits. And I think in, in a series like the Miami series where, where, at any given time, Jalen was off or you know, somebody wasn't giving you to have another dude who you know, if nothing else, he gets you buckets. You know, I think that fits for them. Um, you know, I got to look at his around the rim. I think is he around the rim, is he better than people think um, you know, in terms of rim protection and just being, he's fucking seven, whatever he is. He's, he's long. Yeah, it's, 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 well, another thing is he's coming off his best season of his career and He's, come, he's going into a contract year, Kristaps is. So he's going to ball. Yeah. He's trying to get that back. He's going to ball. Um, the interesting thing is, I just don't know when, I don't know, the biggest thing that the Celtics lacked last year wasn't talent, was mental toughness. Right. And maybe Al Horford probably just goes into like the Andre Iguodala role of just being the old vet who has all these guys and checks them and make sure that their mental toughness is right. And, and it's also, I would say this is also happening before free agency. Like just want to make sure that that is out there as well. Right. Like these teams aren't their full versions of themselves yet. Right. right. So there could be more people being signed, but I'm curious just on a vacuum on this one, like who's going to be the guy that is 
going to make that beefs up their mental toughness. Yeah, the backbone. I, I don't guy? know the I, the backbone guy. I don't know who that is yet. Kristaps is a trade you absolutely should make. That is something that was glaring for them. Their front court. You see a guy that's Al Horford that is aging. You see Robert Williams who was great defensively but can't stay on the court all the time as a starting center in this league. And you get and you get Kristaps in, in, into the mix. It's I I I think Raja and this is, might be a little blasphemous, but it, it's. What I thought about this trade was it kind of had some vibes of the Pau Gasol trade to um, to, to the Lakers um, in, tw- in 2008. And what I mean by that, Roger, is a guy that didn't necessarily win all the time but had all the intangibles to make a good team great yeah. and could, could pass, could be, a, a, um, you know, could be a facilitator but also get his own shot but doesn't have to be the guy on any given night. I think because of that – they, the Boston Celtics are again in prime position to win the East, but they I think they need another extra guy for that mental toughness once they get to the mount, near the mountaintop of the Eastern Conference in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, there's work to be done on that roster, like because you don't. I mean, what you what you're saying is you're basically extracting their two two pieces of backbone, right? Like Marcus Smart was was that guy too, and if we're Al Horford, it's getting older, not going to be able to be on the court as much. Like, you know what I mean? Whatever role he's going to be playing there, if you're missing like one and a half of those, let's say, you've got to be out looking for those high character, nut and bolts type of guy, right? Like you've got all of your, you've got all of your prolific scoring and, and, and all of that. You, now you need guys that come in and just, you know, solidify and, 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 and anchor, you know, that type of talent down. And so it'll be interesting to see what they do in in free agency and uh, to address that. So I want to talk about the Marcus Smart angle of this, right? I think this is a really, really, really savvy move for Memphis, especially considering the fact that if Ja comes back, right? And we've all seen, we've all seen what Memphis has done without Ja in the lineup. I think they can continue that trend of being good and holding down the fort until Ja gets back. And then they, and then once he gets back, they have a dude there that can that is all the guys that we described. I think they, this this is a great move for them and getting them into the thick of the Western Conference. It's early, and they still got the free agency. We got a lot of things that we need to figure out. But I think that was just in a vacuum. That was a really really savvy move from the Memphis Grizzlies, especially given the fact that this was a complicated deal that they were putting together, right? Because this this deal. Uh, at first, the Clippers were involved to to, to trade uh, Malcolm Brogdon and get him out. And then at the last minute, Malcolm Brogdon, I guess the physical just didn't go through or for whatever reason that he was deemed unhealthy to be a part of the trade. The trade falls apart. Memphis swoops in and says, and, and then they get Marcus Smart out of the deal. Very savvy. Just got to be on your toes. Like, what is it like that in a front office where you're just like, oh, I got to make this call. I, oop, I guess I, this is happening. We're just, we're just, we're on a string right now. And we're going to work. What's going on? It just seems like really hectic during this time while you're preparing for a draft. It, um, yeah, it, it, it is. I mean, I never had to work any phones or anything like that. That wasn't my job. But I would be sitting in the offices when Griff's phone, when, you know, you're talking about around trade deadlines and around draft nights when a lot of things are going to happen. And, you know, don't, those are phone call after phone call after phone call. Um, you know, sometimes when you get off the phone with somebody, you can tell he was, he thought he was being fed a line of bullshit. Sometimes he felt like, you know, he was getting some genuine, like what's a smoke screen? What's not like, what's, what's being put out there? Um, you know, to try to get me off the scent. Like it's a cloak and dagger game. Those dudes are playing, man. So to be able to come in there as, 
as Memphis sift through all the bullshit and get in on it and really grab a, a nice piece for your team and a, and a and a piece that you really really needed um, on a lot of fronts. It's, it's huge and really savvy for for Memphis. Um, you know, draft night was fun for me. Like not to kind of segue, but like draft night. Draft night was cool because that's where I was really sitting. All the phones were on. Everybody was in there. So I'm not just sitting there talking to Griff while he's on the phone. Like I'm watching five different people on their phones all all talking and shit's buzzing and you're on a clock. And that really gives you a sense of like, I don't know, like you're kind of you in a You were also on a game. team that was like vying for it. I mean, when you got there, I don't know if Bron, it, was, it, it wasn't even... Because you only then went there one season, right? So you weren't like your draft time was like right before Bron came, right? So you guys didn't even no. know what you guys were planning for, right? No, 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 no. I got there. I got there. I did a little consulting work um, before LeBron got there, and then I was hired when LeBron got there. So I came in with LeBron. Oh, okay. So I was there that first so 15, year. So the draft fifteen was your your fifteen was your draft then? Yeah. So we got Chetty Oseman, and um, and I think we took Raheem Christmas, and we might have taken um. A young in from um from St. John's that was a defense Sir Dominic Pointer, I think, was, was the kid we took that year. So you so guys that, were basically trying to keep a a uh, a championship roster together and just improve on that, right? Which is like which yeah. is kind of which is also a different experience during the draft, right? Yeah, absolutely. Trying to find some pieces that were that weren't like, you know, they weren't super high picks, but quality pieces that would fit the roster. Like, hey, you know this kid's gonna come in and he'll be able to defend. You know, at an at an NBA level, and Rock was a Rakeem Christmas was a grown man and played a lot at uh at, at Syracuse. You know, he can eat up some minutes. You know, maybe at the four, and you know, Chetty was probably our 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 most prized you know uh, um, pick in that one, like because they thought it, the the ceiling there was going to be pretty high. But I w- I would say that you know I did experience with the J.R. Smith and Mon Shumpert trade. Um, I was in Philly when that one took place. So I wasn't back at the offices. I was with the team. We played Philly that night. And I don't remember if it was under the gun, but it was it was getting close and people were really trying to pull that off. So that one got a little hectic where I was on the phone a lot with with Griff and and the decision makers in Cleveland and, What's and we, the, what is tell me the process of that, right? You get a call like, Okay, we're thinking about moving this guy. And then you get a call like we're we we're we're in cha- like what is the what is the the first call versus like okay it's the deal's done now like how what is the hecticness from the beginning to the end? Well, I mean, so it started that morning like a- after a shoot around for me with um you got forgive me this was a while ago but it was in and about like hey what do you think about this right and so I imagine you know Griff has the guys that he really really trusts they've done numbers and he's asking a few of us hey what do we what do we think right and so. You go through what you you know kind of think, and then you know Griff takes it back to whatever he's going to do next, and then then the next call will come through. Like you know, well, what do you think for that? So here's here's what we would have to do to get that, and you'd be like, well, uh, you know, here's what I think. Then again, he's going back to his numbers, guys. What pieces need to be thrown into that? What pieces do you think you can extract from them that might not be in the deal right now? How does that look? So then you know, then it's like, all right, we need to get on with ownership. Um, and everyone's going to kind of, of Griff's, I don't know, let's say there were four of us that he really wanted to have opinions with, with Dan Snyder and, and brain, brain trust with the owners. Now you're on there and you're selling why you think that'll work. And they'll go around the phone and everyone's given their two cents as to why you think it will work, why you think it won't work. Then, then that ball's in their court now, right? So like I'm, I'm out of the equation. I'm going about 
you know, making sure everything's okay at the arena. Because at this point, sure- you're like kind of an advisor, right? At this point, you're like, okay, this is my two cents. Okay, now like I got to go on with my day. Yeah, I'm an advisor, but I'm also David Griffin's like proxy on the road and we got a game that night. So while he's working phones yeah. and handling business, I'm essentially, I mean, I hate to say general managing because I really wasn't, but I was making sure everything was good on the road in, in the general manager capacity, right? Like everything's tightened up. And so then, you know, I get a call as, as the lights are going down for, for, for the anthem and Dion Waiters is at home. Now, Dion, if anybody knows Dion, I tell this story. Billy. Billy. Through and through. And shout, hey, shout out Cliff on the call, Temple University, buddy. We straight up. Shout straight out up. Philly. But if you know Dion, well, I had to have multiple conversations with Dion that year about, hey, look, LeBron's here, Kyrie's here, Kevin Love's here. It's not your ball. All right. That's there's there's no world in which it's gonna be your ball, even though Is that the I, conversation that the Golden State Warriors are gonna have to have next season? I mean, I, I mean, but he, that, that Chris Paul's accomplished more maybe. So I don't know. But like Dion, I'm like, Dion, there's still a lot to eat. We're going to need you to come off the bench. Um, there are a lot of shots there. And these are the conversation I have to have. So when he's at home and we don't have LeBron and we don't have Kyrie, guess who gets to shoot all the shots? Oh, Dion Waiter. Dion Waiter. So this is the, I'm, I'm just painting the picture. We're in Philly. He's bought yeah. like 45 to 50 tickets and it's his ball because there's no LeBron and there's no Kyrie tonight. And I get a he's call. About to get, he's about to get 40 tonight. Like, bro, he's he already has to, a look at his eye. I'm about to get 40. He's about to get 40, bro. I get a call as the lights are dimming. I shit you not. Get Deion Waiters out. He can't play tonight. I'm like, what? And so I had asked them, sorry, let me go back. I had asked David Griffin, Trent Redden, and Kobe earlier in the day, hey, guys, look. Because I was looking at this from a player's perspective, right? They were looking at it through the business lens, and, I, and it, that's, that's their job. And I was looking at it kind of, through a hybrid lens. And I'm like, look, feels like this thing has traction. I only ask that if we're going to do it and if he's going to get traded, let's do it early. Let's not, let's do it so he can let his family know not to come to the game. Let's do it, you know, so he doesn't have to go to the game. Let's just get it done. Let's get it done early. It seems like we're there. Let's do it. But it didn't happen until the lights went down. Get, get Dion off the court. So like national anthem. No, it is You're the like, national you gotta anthem. Find, you got to find him. I walk out during the anthem. I can't pull him off as the anthem's playing. So I got to stand there kind of at attention, let the anthem go off. We're the guest team. We're the away team. So we get announced first. Guess who's the first fucking name called? Deion Waiters. Before I can get to him, it's Deion Waiters. And so I got to get like whoever, I don't know who on the staff. I was like, no, 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 kill that. He can't go out. So I had to literally pull that dude off after he had got announced in the starting lineup in Philly. <laughs> and, and also, bro, Deion Waiters is Philly, bro. He is Philly. Straight up. Up, I, up and down, bro. Bro, I felt terrible, man. I know Deion wanted to fight me. I had to take him back in the back. And then the craziest part was I couldn't tell him where he got traded to because, because the deal wasn't like all the, way, all the way done yet. And so I couldn't really divulge anything. And he was sitting in the back and he was miserable. And I, I finally said to Griffin them, I said, listen, man, I have to tell him. I can't watch this man sit back here wondering where he's going, not getting to play in front of his home team. And his so, family's already here. He got to talk to his family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we wound up telling him. But that was my experience with like a, a, a trade like that. Tough, bro. That's tough. Yeah. And like it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the pod. Just, you know, you think you're, you think you're, that's the cruel part of the NBA. That, you know, it's, we, y'all get paid a lot of money, but like, dog, y'all go through a lot of shit. You get paid for the bullshit is what is what Dennis Robbins says, right? And like, man, to 
he go, and then he thought he was going to be on a championship. Fortunately, he went to Oklahoma City, which was was yeah. he ended up in Oklahoma City. Fortunately, yeah. but damn, bro, like that that's that's tough. It's tough. No, it's and tough. I remember saying to him, I remember saying, "Hey, Dion, it's going to be a good move for you, bro, because there's going to be there's going to be some food on the table. You can you can actually eat in a way that you weren't going to be able to eat here. Um, I know it don't feel good, but you got to trust me on that, you know. And you got a dude looking at he you. Wound like doing I, all right. He wound up doing fine. He, yeah. He, he yeah, wound was, up doing good, man. Straight. He you know? was straight. But it's tough. I told my story. Shit. They were like, hey, we know you're about to get on this bus to go to the Staples Center. And I got a call from one of my friends from the CBA. He was like, yo, you just got traded. I'm like, what? He said, yeah. I said, how the, how the hell you know I got traded? Because I haven't seen or heard anything. He said, well, Jason Richardson's wife is one of my best friends and you just got traded for Jay Rich. So good luck. You're going to Charlotte. I'm like, what? Man, I got on the phone. Yeah, bro, got traded to Charlotte. You got you got twenty four hours to get back to get back to Phoenix, get all your shit, kiss your wife and kids, and report to Charlotte. Where was y'all at? Hey, where was y'all? Was y'all at the was y'all at the Lowe's or was we were at the Beverly Wilshire, brother? Oh no! Oh no! (laughs) Also, bro, like I don't know how many people like know L.A. from where we're at, bro. But the Beverly Wilshire to LAX is tough. Especially like during rush hour, it's a it's tough, bro. It's fuck. It's it's it makes a, it makes an adult out of your ass just going through that traffic. Especially, <laughs> bro, you had to go. Wait, did they did they at least give you PJ to uh to uh Phoenix and PJ, PJ? to uh, Charlotte? P- what are you talking? I mean, about, they do man? that. What well, they do? What they, they do? They don't do that for me. They did. <laughs> they they do a first class ticket, take your ass through LAX, bro. Good luck with that. Damn, bro, played that boy. <laughs> Yeah, Damn. straight up. Me, Boris, and uh, what was my young fella's name, man? What was Sean's name from, from University of Virginia, man? But the three of us got traded together, man. It, it was a misery loves company, right? I felt bad. But when I saw Boris and Boris was looking at me all, I was like, man, at least somebody's going with me, bro. Fuck. Bro, I love Boris, bro. I, I don't know. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about right now. What I love him, bro. Just like, <laughs> he sets this... Mythical creature, bro. He's just right. this mythical person, bro. Let's okay, let's go. Let's, I know you got stories. Go. We haven't talked. Yeah, we yeah. haven't talked. For full disclosure, everybody, real ones. This podcast is literally something me and Roger can talk twice a week. I haven't talked to him in like a week, so I'm <laughs> I'm catching up with the rest of you guys. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes. You know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away? Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Tell us, so, tell us, Roger, what, so, what, 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 what happened? So I, was out, I was out in Salt Lake. Vibes were high. Um, you know, went to, went to Vaulters, tapped into Vaulters, had a nice meal. Just You know, Vaulters was fucking closed All-Star Weekend, bro. What, they had what? just nothing but private events. Mm. That's why I was miserable in Salt Lake, bro. Like, yeah. there was nothing cool for me to do. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that sucks. D and I enjoyed a nice meal at Vaulters. And then we, um, you know, Boris hit me and was like, yo, do you want to come by the crib tomorrow? I'm like, yeah, man, I, I'll come by. What you got going on? He was like, well, I just... You know, chilling, me and a couple friends. I'm like, bet. So we make our way down uh, to Boris's crib, beautiful crib up on the hill, glass, all of that. Um, and so, um, you know, a couple members of the jazz staff are there hanging out. And Boris is got his cheese laid out, 
right? Mm. Char- charcuterie board. Char- 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 charcuterie board. The charcuterie board was laid out, and we were just going through different bottles. It was like a wine tasting at Boo Boo's crib, bro. It was gorgeous, man. We were looking out on the city from the crib. The cheese, I don't eat cheese, but the board was the board was great. And then Boris was like the sommelier, bro. He's like, he brought out a white, then he brought out a red, and he brought out another red. And then he's like, which one of those reds did you like better? And then you're like, okay, I like the first one. So he brought that red back out. Suddenly, then you're faded. <laughs> then like after. <laughs> and then we're faded. But I, I say all that to say, I told him, I had never told him before. And everyone that was there, I said, Boris, just so you know, you're a podcast like legend. Like uh, on our show, people who listen and for between Logan and I, like you are a, you are, you're a podcast legend on real ones, bro. People love you. And he's like, what? Why? And I'm like, Boris, what? Do you remember the stories you told when you hopped on here about fucking rhinos and hippos coming through the grass, dog? Like you're a legend. He's, I think honestly, bro, I think Boris. I, I would be curious to hear your opinion. I think Boris and Juan Toscano Anderson are the best interviews you've ever done on this pod. Yeah, we've what do you think? Well, we, at least they're at least they're my favorites. What do you? I, what what other ones do? I mean, Tim Duncan is there too. Flex, we got to do the flex. Tim Duncan on real yeah, ones was great. Like, Tim you know, we got to get the great. flex. Um, shit, man. Uh, Tricks was really good. Tricks was a, Tricks was a good right. interview. Um, good. I enjoyed the Steve Kerr interviews. I thought I thought Steve was good, but but yeah, we've been blessed. I mean, we've been we've blessed been blessed, bro. I know, but like the ones that I came away like fuck, I was so happy. Like the, the Tim Duncan interview was great because we got Tim Duncan and he was very great. But like we we it was interesting because people don't know this. <laughs> we had to do this during January sixth, which. You guys could just, you guys Google whatever, have it on January 6th. So it was like a mind fuck. <laughs> and then, um, and then we had to, uh, and then like the audio was messed up, right? So like we, for all of us, like it was just kind of messed up. So like just from an experience, like just uh, as my head was all fucked up, that was like, that was the only part. It wasn't like, it wasn't physically fun. Cause like you had to go to real life afterwards. Yeah. And then, um, the Steve Kerr interviews were fun. Just because the second one, we all we always make the running joke. Every time I see Steve, like you always get in trouble immediately after <laughs> our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> like something something bad happens because it was funny because uh, we fucking the first time we had Steve Kerr, we're we're rambling, we're forty seven minutes in, we're just we're talking, we're vibes. But anyway, yeah. we were. Um, I told I always I told Steve like the first time was when KD got in my mentions and was talking about uh that's hilarious after the 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 comments that 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 uh Steve Kerr made about the seasons after KD left versus yeah. first and it was out of context it was the whole brouhaha with everybody know. And in the second one, like a week after <laughs> he comes on the pod, Jordan Poole gets punched in the face. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bad omen. I don't know if he's coming uh, back. <laughs> no more Steve uh. Kerr. You know, it was, the fun. Pod. it was, it was fun talking to Boris up there, not to go back to that because I mentioned that like, you know, uh, you know, some of the jazz staff was up there cause Boris is really tight with those guys and stuff. And so it had been a while as it, since I had been around the NBA. Did he play in Utah? Why is he in, yeah. like, is he, he played in yeah. Utah? Absolutely. Okay. He played well in Utah All too. Right. Um, secured a couple more bags, I think. I mean, I don't know, but he, um, they were, they were, we were, we talked a lot of basketball, obviously. And Boris is heavily involved with the French national team. And so, you know, we talked about Wemby. We talked about some of the other kids they have in the draft process. You know, the jazz um, uh, brass that was there was talking about some of the, they have so many picks in, in the draft that they've had 
I don't know, a hundred and change workouts they were telling me with, with these college kids. So it's been exhausting their process trying to get eyes on all of these kids. And so, you know, it was cool for me because it gave me a little fix. Like I don't get it all the time, right? Like yeah. I got a little NBA fix. I got to sit around and talk. I wasn't talking like 13 and 14 year old hoops. I was talking grown man hoops a little bit. And that made, that made me happy. That's awesome, man. Dog, we got to get you out. To, you, bro, I know I get it. It's hella packed, bro. We got to get you at least one or two Miami Heat games this year, dude. What the fuck are we doing? Yeah, no, I owe it to the Heat, man. They've been, they've, I owe it to the Heat, okay? They've been too good. Yeah. They're too consistent right. a franchise. They throw me some parking passes. I don't even need tickets. You give me some parking passes, and I'm good. It's the parking what? for me, Logan. It's, it's the parking. Bro, it's if the they parking. give you parking passes and a ticket, you'll be fine. You'll get, didn't you get parking passes when, uh, when you went to go see Brooklyn? Two years ago, did you get parking passes for those? Nah, for nah. I had to park. Damn it, I had to park at uh at uh Bayside. Anybody knows Miami? Like I'm parking across the street at Bayside, waiting 45 minutes to get out of the parking lot once the game's done. I miss me with that, <sighs> bro. I had to uh, take some family to the fucking Oakland A's game a week ago, and man, I fucking hate driving to the coast. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. Anyways. <sighs> That's our show. We got anything else you want to talk about? Any more trades that we want, uh, want, to, want to do? No, I'm just anything? really excited. Hey, look, I'm 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 waiting. I'm I'm just the countdown is on for that for that uh number three pick and 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 Portland, bro. That's what I'm waiting for. I want to see what happens. I am locked in. What in you a way okay? That what do you think? I, let's make a prediction. I don't know. What's gonna happen? What you want? I have no. I have no idea. I have no feel on it. And I have no idea, bro. bro. I'm just. I'm just, this is what I want. Can I just tell people what I yeah. want? We're talking about Miami. Can we just tell them what you want, son? Work. I don't give a fuck. I tell them what we want, son. I want Dame Willard to go to Miami. <laughs> Can we just have make that happen, please? Can we just fucking do it? Can we just figure it out? I don't know. Can we just fucking figure it out? I don't, I don't that'll, know. That'll get me to a heat game. Yeah. You know what I mean? That'll get me to a heat game. I'm trying to go to a heat game, too. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I'm trying to go, too. Shit. Um, <laughs> Well, uh, let's get to it. It's Thursday. I haven't seen yeah. my butt in a while, but um, get to a little segment we like to call Real One of the Week. Um, I, mean, I got two Real Winners of the Week. That's what's up. One is Janet Jackson. Oh. I saw Janet Jackson last weekend at the Shoreline. Man, what a great performance. I felt honored. It was pretty great. Ludacris opened up. It was just a oh. great vibey show. It was awesome. It was like, I don't think I need to have to say this to all my rules, but if Janet Jackson is in your city, you should probably go see her. I'm just I, just throwing that out there. One of the best to ever do it. And another I want to do is one of my partners who I'm really, 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 really excited for. Mm -hmm. Kayla Johnson um, of Together. She, uh, she is with Together now. She just, I think she executive produced a film called Phenom for Paramount Plus. Um, Kayla is one of the best in the business. She's, she kicks ass. She's doing a great job and she's doing everything that she wants. Fucking Sue Bird, um, another friend of the show, showed up to her premiere in New York last, last uh, of, this, of this film, Phenom. So maybe you gotta go check out Phenom. Shout out Kayla Johnson, who's a motherfucking legend. And uh, those are my two real ones of the week, Kayla Johnson and Janet Jackson. You know, so who's your real one of the week? Who's your um, real one of the week, Robert? I'm going to do um, two as well. One is going to be a, 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 a team. It's going to be the, the U.S. women's national team. Um, and, and friend of the show, Meg Rapino and, and company, ah. Alex Morgan, Julie Ertz, and the, and the, and the, and the crew 
Um, Shout out Trinity and, Rodman in the building. Yeah, word. It is one of my favorite. Like I, you know, I love World Cups and stuff like that. But I specifically love the Women's World Cup. Um, my wife was a big soccer player, played in college and stuff like that. So I've always enjoyed watching uh, our, our national team playing women's soccer in general. So they'll they'll be a real one of the week for me. And then my second one, if if you'll allow me to do it, man, is gonna be my young buck Diabelle, who has been. Uh, what a fucking week for the god Diabelle. Yeah, it's been a big. It's been it's been cool traveling around the country with him, going into his sophomore year. Um, going to these camps, <clears throat> meeting these amazing coaches, and seeing these amazing institutions and facilities, and it's just been really good, you know, dad and son time, man. And he, um, as humble as he is, has been doing pretty well, man. So shout out to Dia Bell, um, real one of the week for 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 the last week, man. If you want to, if you want to see why he's real one of the week, just Google Dia Bell. Look at the news on Dia Bell. Okay, go ahead. I just want to say, man, shout out to you, Rob, bro, because like I've been, we've been seeing your fucking journey as a dad and going to recruiting trips and shit. You guys don't see the fucking the real ones chat all the time where we just get the random tweet of his son highlight tape. But like, bro, I don't have kids, but you have been really just like you know an inspiration, just like a good guide of a father to see like how a, a motherfucker just raises his kid and just be a good dad. So like, you're, shout out to you, bro. I appreciate real, that. I'm really you're being honest, kind. bro. Like, you're I'm, too I'm kind. Really serious. Any parent knows this. You see the good times, bro. There's plenty of, you know, like that shit ain't all <laughs> roses. No bed of roses, as Freddie Mercury said, right? Take, no pleasure take the compliment, Ra. Take the but compliment, I'll take it. Ra, bro. I'll take it. We, we love listen, you, bro. Like, I'm, I'm excited. I get to go watch my young buck, Ty Bell, um, up in Gainesville. My fave? Yeah, my he's fave? live period with his high school team. So as soon as we get off this pod, we're picking D up from football practice, and we're on our way back up to Gainesville to watch Ty's high school high school basketball live period uh, team camp. There you go, man. We will see yes, you sir. guys. Let's get Rah Rah up out of here. We was, that was our Thursday edition of Real Ones. We'll see you guys on Monday. Whew. If this is any indication, I can't wait to talk Monday because it's going to be to be lit. <laughs> okay, tap in. Ah, all the shits. Bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.